It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening or watching. Hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Dot com. I'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a decent slice of pizza. Today's show is also being brought to us by uh, the Sea Palms Resort, also on uh, beautiful St. Simon's Island, and our next Billy C. Boxing event, which will be at the Sea Palms. Uh, we are doing a... Uh, multi-day event on august 25th and 26th and it might stretch over until uh, the morning of the 27th uh, so make your plans now what are we doing well we're gonna have former world champions uh, uh marlon starling bobby chez and uh, mike weaver uh, all uh, scheduled already to join us uh, renowned trainer out of tampa florida uh, my man Sherman Henson, he's actually going to be there uh, showing some training techniques and he's going to be working out uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. So uh, we'll have that. Uh, we also got uh, uh, other people up our sleeve, which we'll uh, be uh, sprinkling in as time goes on. But uh, hey, we're going to do a meet and greet. You get to meet the guys. Uh, you get to uh, have some more d'oeuvres. We get to invade Sal's restaurant. We are also going to be doing a little golf tournament and we're all going to polish it off the evening where we all can joke around and make fun of conor mcgregor versus floyd mayweather and uh, pray for a miracle or just watch uh, floyd uh, dismantle conor mcgregor and i forgot another thing we're going to be uh showing you a boxing a billy c's boxing revisited episode uh, that you'll be watching on the networks pretty soon so uh, uh all of that's happening make your plans right now uh, visit our website billycboxing.com and click on the c palms a banner and uh, give them a call and ask them for the Billy C boxing special they got several different package options for you today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app check it out just visit our website billycboxing.com and click on the Billy C app download it today for free and finally uh, the today's show is being brought to us in part by my book Tom Molyneux from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it right now by visiting Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. Uh, find out why I'm so adamant about uh, educating 
uh, all you guys about the, the life and times of uh, Tom Molina. Um, coming up a little bit later on the show, uh, Dax Collins scheduled to join us, uh, give his thoughts uh, about today's topic. Um, t- today's main topic, uh, as we start uh, the week uh, of uh, Adrian Broner against Mikey Garcia, my, my question is, you know, a lot, first of all, Mikey Garcia is a uh, blue, what I call a blue collar fighter. Uh, this is a guy that uh, brings his uh, lunch pail to the gym and uh, no nonsense guy and uh, does what he has to do. And he's undefeated at doing it. Um, Adrian Broner, on the other hand, is uh, not your traditional blue collar guy. And I'm not suggesting he doesn't work hard, but here's a guy that busted onto the scene as a, a junior lightweight, then a lightweight who showed uh, all kinds of promise and then seemingly uh, chose the wrong road and um, has been up and down, uh, not only with his career, but with his weight. My, my question today is, do you think that today this fight between uh, Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia is Broner's last chance at becoming the stu- superstar, <laughs> stupid star, the, he's already a stupid star, the superstar that he wants to be and feels he is. He's got a tough hill to climb fighting Mikey Garcia. Is this Broner's last chance at superstardom? Joining me right now uh, is uh, my man from St. Simons Island, Georgia, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Bill. How are you today, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, is this Broner's last chance at superstardom, Sal? I mean, uh, this is a guy that uh, he's got the talent. I know uh, I think he's uh, certainly got the talent. A lot of people don't like him personally. I'm not saying I do, but uh, but I, I saw him possess uh, the type of uh, talent level that he needs to be a, a superstar. However, I think his attitude has hindered him. And uh, he's gotten several chances. He's been up and down. Is this his last chance? This may be, you know, I think he's going to have uh, this as a pinnacle chance. This is an opportunity. This is his opportunity to break on to, to major, major uh, levels that he's maybe lowered himself from uh, into a different tier. So this is a great opportunity for him. Am I to say that? Am I the one to say that he's not going to have any more opportunities? This is the pinnacle. This is the best opportunity he can he can have right now at this time in his career to propel himself back on top. Um, I think a, a, a convincing loss will just further uh, put him down, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what it does to his psyche. Uh, I like Mikey Garcia. He's an undefeated fighter. He's he's a well-rounded fighter he's a good good hard-working fighter you know adrian broner as young as he still is i think he uh he still is not any longer at that top level he's starting to go on a downslide however this fight could bring him back up there i just don't know if he's going to realize and take that opportunity at this time well you know does he get more chances you know, I, I, no, I, mean, I don't think so, Bill. I, I think he he he'll always be the B side after this fight. He'll be the B side and the opponent coming in. That's it after this, and he could have a few upsets. He could have a few surprises in store. But I think if he does not uh, win this fight uh, in a good fashion, 
Uh, he may be just, uh, yeah, not not a has been. That's a that's a bad term. I don't like it. But I think he he's his best days are his his reaching the top of his mountain. It's probably going to be the days gone by. Well, I mean, we're talking about him getting to superstardom, and and you know, in his mind, he's already there. Um, well, but uh, I mean, he's still young. He's only twenty seven years old. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his, his his record right now is thirty three and two, uh, and should he not? I, I, here here's my thought. I think that if he fights Mikey Garcia, for, first of all, if he can beat Mikey Garcia, that's that's a huge plus right there. And Mikey Garcia is technically moving up uh, in weight to fight him. And, and as the week goes on, we will uh, break down this fight and, and really uh, uh, take a look at uh, both fighters and, and how they got to where they are, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at Mikey Garcia, he's moving up in weight. Um, he's a no-nonsense guy, not a flashy guy, lets his fist do the talking, lets his actions and performances do the talking, which I love in fighters. He's my kind of fighter. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. And here's Adrian Broner. You know, um, at first, you know, with the brushing of the hair um, in, in the ring, I mean, that was how outrageous he was at, at that time. And, uh, you know, I, and I didn't mind it. And he was good. You know, he, he showed uh, it all. But then... As his discipline was questioned and his uh, ego uh, got bigger and his uh, sort of his uh, weight, but uh, that's besides the point. He seems to uh, have traveled down the wrong path, uh, got himself in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. And he had a couple of performances that looked mediocre to, at best. And should he, if he beats Mikey Garcia this weekend, I mean, you can't deny his talent level, even though Mikey's moving up in weight. You, you, you can't. You can't because, truthfully, Broner might be fighting above his own weight class. I mean, it depends how you look at it. We were talking all last week about how we feel that we should have same-day weigh and so we have, you know, legitimate weight classes instead of guys who can dry out, etc. But I think in the long run, Sal, if uh, Adrian Broner performs well, even if he loses a close fight, that'll help him. But if Mikey Garcia stops him, or if Mikey Garcia really dominates him, um, this could be the end. Now, as far as him becoming an opponent or the B-side, as you suggest, I don't know if he can mentally handle that, at least not at this point of, of his career. I, he's so He believes so much that he's, uh, you know, he's a superstar, I don't know if he could handle that mentally. No, and I believe what you're saying. Yes, it's true. But again, you use the term superstar to me. And and I think superstar, you know, will he rise to the level of, of like a Sugar Ray Leonard, of a Marvin Hagler, of a Roberto Duran, of a Tommy Hearns, of a uh, – I, I don't see that if he, if he does not uh, win convincingly this weekend. Um I think he could be an arena of of uh, more than just an opponent. I'm sorry, I use that classification too, but uh, I, I think he could still be a world champion. I think he could still do some things, but as you said, mentally, what can he handle at this point? Um, he's got to, you know, really know that you know he's at a very important port point in his career. And there's going to be a couple directions that are going to be recognized after this uh, this Saturday night. And which direction is he going to c- 
continue the path and and uh, be be ready to, to uh, either accelerate and to um, to uh, climb and to, to be the best in his what he can do or is it going to be the uh, the uh, you know the losing side where he's going to be uh, he's still capable of being a champion he's still capable of doing a lot of things but again if we're using the term superstar that's a that's a very coveted position to be in I don't know if he's going to be that superstar. Well, he thinks he's won now, and he's the he's the, he's the A side going into this fight. He's the A side. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I you know, as far as the promotion's concerned, he is. His name is first. Um, you know, I, but Mikey Garcia and I know Dax is coming on later. Dax was adamant about um, he didn't like the fact that Mikey Garcia got a shot uh, at um, at the title. Uh, that he holds, that he currently holds right now, uh, as quickly as he did after his layoff, um, he had uh, uh, been uh, he after a two-year, almost a two-year layoff after his win over Carl uh, Juan Carlos Burgos, uh, and that was for the uh, junior lightweight world title uh, back in 2014. He had some management issues and uh, really didn't step back in the ring until he faced uh, Elio Rojas. Uh, back in uh, uh, July of last year, stopped him in five. So now he did fight uh, for a WBC world title in the lightweight division against Dijon Zalakishian uh, back in uh, uh, January of this year, uh, knocked him out in three, and, you know, showed everybody that, uh, you know, Mikey's still Mikey. Uh, but uh, some people, including Dax, didn't feel he deserved a, a shot after that long of a layoff, one fight, and then, bam, he's in a, a world title fight. He technically is that champion. I don't know if he's given – I don't think he's given up that title yet. He is fighting uh, – uh, this fight, I believe, is at junior welterweight. I'm, I'm, I, I, unless I'm wrong, Sal. Um, I mean, because he's classified as a lightweight. Adrian Broner is classified as a welterweight. Um, I'm wondering if uh, – I'm pretty sure this fight is a junior welterweight, which also brings up the question – is Adrian Broner even going to make the weight? That's a big question because I know there's been some challenges for him in the past. But uh, like I said, if he's serious about this and uh, and all guys do their things, what's expected of him, then we could see a good fight and uh, may the best man win. Um, it's that easy. And I think that uh, Mikey Garcia's got a good opportunity here to remain unbeaten and uh, prove to the world that he's here to stay. And uh, I think Adrian Broner has a great opportunity to say, hey, I'm still the one of the baddest guys out there, and you know, don't discount me yet. I'm, I'm going to rise to the level and be a, a superstar. So, look, I just beat an undefeated fighter. So, you know, they both have a very good chance for, to get past this fight and both a good incentive of the significance of this fight at this time in their careers. True, and you know, truthfully, as long as both perform well, I don't think it's a career ender. No, uh, I do no, think that Adrian Broner, should he lose this fight, um, uh, convincingly, in other words, get stopped, I think it's going to take a while to get him, uh, if he could even get to superstardom. I'm not saying he couldn't rise and uh, become a champ again, but uh, credit to Adrian Broner for even taking the fight. Uh, he does seem to uh, have no problem challenging himself. And that seems to be rare uh, these days. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, a little bit more on that and then some. Don't go nowhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. 
Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And speaking of being with us, don't forget, we want you to be with us on August 25th and 26th down on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Sea Palms banner. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, give them a call and uh, tell them you want the Billy C. Boxing package. And they'll tell you all about it, man. Don't miss out. Uh, former world champions uh, Marlon Starling and uh, Mike Weaver and Bobby Chez will be there. Renowned trainer out of Tampa. Tamper. Out of Tampa, Florida will be uh, Sherman Henson will be uh, joining us with some uh, training techniques. And he gets to work out. Uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola, who's with us right now. And uh, Sal... Uh, I'm looking forward to this event for sure, and uh, we're going to have some fun. And and I, you know that one of the uh, uh, one of the plans is to come and invade the restaurant. I hope your normal uh, customers don't mind if we all come in there and fill up the joint. No, I think they'll uh, enjoy rubbing shoulders and rubbing uh, rubbing uh, yeah hands and shaking hands with some of these uh, superstars coming in. And uh, you know we'll we'll always have a good time. You know we will we'll have a happy time. Well, the music will be playing. My fights will be playing. <laughs> I'm just taking. Yeah, and, yeah, we know that. That's <laughs> all that happens. Loop. That's the that's the uh, Rocky Senecola network. Uh, the poor. <laughs> that's why he can't keep employees. They they go crazy I, and they go running out the door when they <laughs> after the second week of nonstop that and Frank Sinatra between they they leave the place and they can't get it out of their minds, man. Oh, it brainwashes them. It's all subliminal, you know. It's a you know that that endless loop it's uh it's uh, it goes on and on and on but uh we like it we have a good time <laughs> uh, we got some uh, boxing news i mean uh this week we're going to be talking a, a lot about the adrian broner and um uh, mikey garcia fight there's also another fight on that card that i'm actually looking forward to and that's the heavyweight fight jarell miller against gerald washington uh two heavyweights uh similar spot in the overall heavyweight picture, Gerald Washington coming off a knockout loss at the hands of Deontay Wilder in his last fight. And Jarrell Baby Miller, well, being a baby, acting like he's uh, uh, way better than he is. I believe that both of these guys are uh, at the similar spot. The only big difference between the two, aside from weight, Jarrell Miller is a, kind of a, a fat heavyweight. I mean, I, he's not that big for heavyweight today. He's a monster compared to us, Sal, six foot four, but you know, he pushes 295 pounds. Uh, it's a big man. Yeah, it is. <coughs> so we'll, it, 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 we'll have to see what kind of shape he comes in. And also uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Charlo is on that uh, card as well, uh, taking on uh, uh, Heelan uh, for an, a middleweight eliminator fight. I'm not crazy about him, uh, Charlo, uh, um, whatever. But there's another fight also this weekend um, on ESPN2, Saddam Ali against Johan Perez, which I like. Um, I think that's a, a, a decent matchup. And uh, Victor Ortiz uh, returns. Uh, he's fighting Sunday. So we got kind of a, a busy week. Unfortunately, we are only here 
um, for three days this week. Uh, we'll be here today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. And then as of now, next week's schedule is up in the air, Sal, because uh, I got some stuff going on. And we won't know if we're going to be able to do a show until the night before. So uh, I, I apologize to all you guys in advance. Uh, next week's schedule uh, is going to have to be uh, TBD, to be determined, right? To be DT or to be to announce? TBD, to be determined. <laughs> TBA or TBD? I don't know. But uh, again, did you see, TBD, in, the, TBD. Did, did you see yeah. in the news that uh, Antonio Margarita will be fighting again? Um, he's been out. He, he had come out of retirement and fought um, already, uh, but he hasn't fought since then um, in uh, uh, in almost uh, over a year, in uh, 13 months. Uh, his last time he fought was uh, uh, in 2016, and he fought twice, uh, Jorge Paez Jr. Uh, in March, and then uh, Ramon Alvarez, uh, Canelo's uh, brother, in August. Now he hasn't fought since then. Uh, and uh, he'll be fighting uh, in September when he takes on Carson Jones. He's 39 years old already. One of my knocks on, you know, uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather was that he didn't face Antonio Margarito when Margarito was d uh, controlling uh, the uh, the welterweight division. Now, a lot of Mayweather fans will cite the uh, famous uh, um, fight that kind of put Antonio Margarito and his career uh, to the back burner when he was caught uh, getting ready to cheat uh, against Sugar Shane Mosley when they found him putting plaster of Paris type solution on his uh, that's, tape. That's not a good thing. That's not good. And the way he was knocking people out. So, um, But, uh, I, you know, I, the way I look <laughs> at it is, yeah, Floyd made a smart move by not fighting him, but he didn't know that he was cheating. None of us did until he was caught... Uh, <clears throat> Plaster handed uh, right there hey. in, the, in the dressing room. But uh, but what's your thoughts about him continuing to fight? His eyes, um, you know, has passed s some tests. Um, yeah. You know, he is able to fight in some states. Uh, but uh, the last time he fought, his eyes clearly looked uh, damaged. Apparently he's fighting out of necessity because he needs the money. Um, you know, 39 years old. Um not that you know you're the wrong guy to talk about that, but he he's already yeah, controlled. I was gonna say, yeah, he's already all? he's already controlled uh, the welterweight division. Uh, you know, should this guy be fighting? And and is a Carson Jones fight worthwhile? Well, you know, it's it's hard to answer. We're gonna have to see. But the bottom line is, I'd be I'd be uh, I'd have the inspector right there watching him get his hands wrapped. <laughs> and uh, number one, number two. Uh, yeah, his future health, that's important, too. So he's got to be careful about that. And, uh, you know, like I said, Bill, these fighters, they got to know in their heart of hearts, is the prize worth the price? If it's worth the price to him that he knows what he's got to, to lose or to gain, then the prize is worth the price. And it's his decision, his call. And uh, the promoter can only leverage him and put him in an opportunity that uh, that he can either take advantage of or he'll just fall the wayside. So, I mean, he's a warrior. He's a battle guy. And, and um, you know, I think he's got to ask himself that question. Is the prize still worth the price? And, uh, you know, if it's up to me, I, I, I'd, I'd probably, you know, hang in there a little while. But um, if not, you know, it's, uh, it's no shame. It's nothing else. He's just got to learn to uh, make a living somewhere else. Yeah, well, you know what, and there lies the problem. 
a lot of fighters. For a lot of these fighters. Well, a lot of fighters, uh, you know, they spend, uh, you know, before you know it, uh, you know, starting uh, as an amateur, you, 20 years go by. And they feel they don't have um, any other uh, uh, experience to make a living. So they're, they're always drawn back to what they do best, and, and that's fight. And uh, we all know that when you age, you may have the heart and the desire. You may train just as hard, if not harder. But father time uh, catches up. You lose uh, some of your speed. You lose some of your reflexes, which is even more important. And in uh, Antonio Margarito's case, I mean, uh, his eye was damaged. That has to affect his uh, his reflex uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, you know, his last two fights, uh, uh, like we mentioned, against Paez Jr. and Alvarez's uh, brother, uh, Ramon Alvarez, he didn't look very good. He looked extremely slow. He was never a speed demon. Uh, he was a guy that would break you down and just pulverize you with, with power. Um, you know, he seems to be taking a lot of punches. You know, he, R- Ramon Alvarez, I remember watching that fight, was uh, teeing off on him. Um, yes. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, Carson Jones, you know, you look at his record, 40 wins, 11 losses, and three uh, uh, draws with 30 knockouts. I, I mean, you know, he's got 11 losses, so people that don't know the sport will say, oh, he can't be that good. He is a tough out, and I, I don't know. He's a tough out. You know, I think at this stage of Margarito's career, this is a 50-50 fight. If Antonio Margarito has another way to make an income, Sal, maybe he should consider it because, um, you know, I, this is a guy that's, uh, you know, the way the damage was with his eye, I mean, uh, he could very easily uh, not only lose the sight in his eye but possibly lose his eye, you know, and it may – seem like that risk is worth the reward um, now. But uh, Margarito's still a young man by, by life standards, uh, pushing 40. He may regret this a few years from now. Well, he may, and that's the whole thing. We at age 25 can't look back at our lives if we were 50 or 45 and make any decisions then. In other words, we, we can't see that far ahead. We can only see that far behind when we are at that age and we look at back and we say, hey, you know what? Maybe I should have done this differently. Maybe I could have done that differently. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, he right now in his heart of hearts, he's got to make that call and that decision. And, you know, it's a shame because, you know, I, I, it's it's again, we would should be in a position to keep some of these superstars in the sport of boxing duplicating what they know into another fighter but that's a whole nother uh a whole nother scenario you know how do you, how does he get leverage to be in a position to find a good fighter to train does he does he prove himself it's i mean that's that's a, a way to make a living but what kind of living i mean you want a steady income unless you're going to be be hired by a promotional outfit and and uh or somebody that's going to be a, a trainer for several fighters you know, it's, it's going to be hard to uh, wait for that 10% off the top uh, to get a big fight. Let you prove yourself fast, you know? Yeah. No, it's... Uh... It's 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 really, it's a, it's a vicious sword. It's sword. It really is. I mean, you know, hey, if uh, if a great fighter is, is retiring and he wants to be a trainer, well, we got to see if his value as a trainer, number one, is he going to be known as a better fighter or a better trainer? So we got we to gotta look at that. And then we got to see... Who's gonna Who's gonna ride that horse, and who's he gonna ride as far as uh, being their trainer to get him ready? And do you start with a four round fighter, or do you you go right to a main event fighter, or do you go to a world champion? So it's hard, and that's why sometimes today 
duplicating what the sweet science is all about from the legends that, that, that have fought and have the experience and have the knowledge, it's hard to keep them in the game. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, uh, it's a tough one, but uh, Antonio Margarito uh, returning to the ring September 7th. Uh, I'm sorry, September 2nd against Carson Jones. And uh, that fight will be shown on uh, ESPN, another uh, ESPN fight that we'll be able to see. So hold that That's thought. That's great. Now. I wish him a lot of luck. That's great. I well, like that. Uh, he's, in a, he's in a tough one. I, I know he needed money. And uh, I, obviously he's making a few bucks. But uh, anyway, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got some more news to talk about. So don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And don't forget about the next Billy C Boxing get together. It's taking place August 25th and 26th. Yes, we will be showing the McGregor Mayweather fight, but we have a golf tournament going on. We got a meet and greet, and we're going to have a great time. So make your plans right now uh, by visiting our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and clicking on the C Palms banner and uh, call them and mention uh, the Billy C Boxing event. And get the package deals uh, that you're longing for. Uh, join me and my man Sal uh, with uh, former world champions uh, Marlon Starling and Bobby Chez and Mike Weaver. Uh, Sherman Henson out of Tampa will uh, be doing uh, some training techniques for us. We're going to be doing meet and greet. We're even going to show you uh, one of our uh, episodes of uh, Billy C's Boxing Revisited, which will be on the television networks uh, coming soon. We'll keep you posted on that. I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, I got an email to read. This one's from Joel. He says, uh, I see this coming Saturday on BN, BN Sports Espanol uh, Network. They have a boxing card, which will be taking place uh, from a boat, the Queen Mary, out in California. I guess, is that the original Queen Mary? The Queen Mary, uh, which is a luxury liner. Uh, that's pretty. That's a big boat. Um, the big boat, yeah, uh, out in California, featuring Tremaine Williams. Is it much? Is it? He says, uh, is it more difficult to have cameras rolling, and the production done properly on a boat, or is it similar as a boxing card at an arena? Have you ever seen a boxing card on a boat, or has Sal ever himself fought on a boat uh, during his career? Um, thanks, Joel, for the email. I, first of all, I'll answer what I, I, you know my questions. Um, number one, I would think um, that the production aspect uh, of uh, uh, of the fight would be very similar, especially on the Queen Mary. Uh, I would think it would be very similar to uh, having it at, at a, a venue on, on land. Uh, those boats. Uh, uh, you know, you're not you're not feeling any waves in those boats unless there's some huge, huge uh, out in the middle of the ocean waves, and I, and they're not going to be doing that there. They they're, they're going to be doing it in a controlled. So I, I, as as far as I know, 
I would I would say no. There's no production difference, with maybe the exception of the type of equipment. I mean, they'll probably be doing it in a ballroom, uh, so it's not like they're going to be getting salt air. Um, but uh, they used to be. That was a way uh, back in the bare knuckle days that they used to avoid. Um, you know, fighting illegally when they used to be able to get on a barge or a boat barge, and, yeah. uh, and, and go off uh, uh, the amount of distance that they had to where they weren't considered on mainland and then it, the sea rules apply. And that's how a lot of fights, uh, uh, James Corbett fought several times on uh, barges and stuff. So that was very popular. And to answer your question, me personally, I have seen uh, a fight on a riverboat uh, the way they uh, do that, but you, like I said, you would never know you're even on the water. They, they, they. It's, it's just a scam of how they can get casinos legal in some states, and I, you have no idea that you're on the water. You don't feel it or anything. Uh, I went no. to one uh, at uh, Caesar's. Uh, it was a Caesar's uh, a riverboat, uh, Caesar's Indiana. Uh, I saw one out there, but. Um, uh, aside from that, no. Sal, have you ever fought or watched a, a fight on, on a river on uh, on any kind of a boat? No, I almost got in a fight on a boat though. Um, I, I'm teasing. We uh, one of the largest ships I've ever been on was the QE2, the Queen Elizabeth II, and an old friend of mine, Nancy. She had the opportunity to introduce that, or I had the opportunity to be on that little cruise to nowhere. That was beautiful. And that, those ships are so, so huge. They're, they're un- unbelievable. And I think it would be a great venue, a great place to have, a, like I see, like you suggested, maybe in the ballroom to have a, a big boxing match or so. That would be a great way to do it. Or if they could do it outside, if they, you know, sail to good weather. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I vote for having them anywhere that will attract people. And yes. if, you know, if a boat is good, you know, those size got thousands boats, on a boat, captive audience say, hey, we're going to show a fight. This <laughs> is know? true. You know, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is those large, large boats like the Queen Elizabeth or, or the one you, you mentioned, QE2. I know I know a lot of people, including my grandparents, went on uh, when the QE2 first was built. Uh, they went on a, uh, a cruise on that. But uh, um, the uh, the ships are so big. Uh, you know, it's not going to be any different than having it at a ball in a ballroom at a at a hotel or a casino. So uh, I would say whatever works, man, make it work. You know, but uh, make it work anyway. Shannon Briggs, we all know that uh, he was supposed to be fighting uh, uh, for uh, a world title, the WBA's regular world heavyweight title. He was going to be fighting Freza Quenda, who hasn't fought in what fifteen, twenty years. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, we. I know we were all shocked, Sal. I know we were all shocked. I mean, just totally shocked that Shannon Briggs was <laughs> using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. I would have never guessed it. I mean, here's such a mild-mannered, calm guy, and we all know that performance-enhancing drugs can make you a little, you know, elevate your testosterone levels pretty high and make you a little nuts and crazy. But Shannon Briggs, I mean, he didn't display any of that. I mean, uh, I'm shocked no. that he tested positive, aren't you? Yeah, no, oh, man, I, I couldn't believe it. I was devastated. I mean, here's a guy. Yeah, I thought he was all who was, and you know, it's uh, when you have, when you have drug enhancements or or, or chemical induced or whatever. I don't know. It's just, however, however you want to dic- dictate it, but it's uh, depicted. But uh, I'll tell you what. It's uh, no, yeah. Well, I was very shocked. Very shocked, Bill. 
Yeah, I um, uh, I uh, was surprised. shocked. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, he's you such, were surprised. He's such a mild, it was it was like he, that that came out of left field. I mean, Yankees couldn't even catch that one. He's uh, he's uh, yeah, Yankees could no, the Mets couldn't. The Yankees catch, but well, the Yankees can't. The Mets can't. They suspended him uh, six months. So uh, uh, the positive uh, test on May fourteenth. So six months. Uh, he's suspended till November 13th of this year. Um, you know, uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, he was uh, given the opportunity to have his B test sampled, and they said, nah, because they knew that they were uh, doing uh, the, 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 the negative stuff, the stuff that they weren't supposed to do. Hey, the fight that you and I are both really looking forward to, uh, Triple G Canelo, uh, oh, yeah. they uh, already started selling closed circuit tickets um for uh different uh, uh locations like the bellagio uh mgm grand um mandalay bay uh, mirage uh, monte carlo uh, new york new york luxor uh and circus circus they're all gonna have uh the closed circuit uh version of the show even though we all know that uh, it will be uh live uh in vegas but uh uh, you can go and watch it. Now, here's the thing. For the closed circuit, uh, ticket prices for the closed circuit, Sal, 75 bucks. Um, I, I think we all better wow. get ready for $100 uh, uh, pay-per-view yeah. at home uh, if the closed circuit is 75 uh, you know, or at least 75 for this fight. And to me, and don't get me wrong, not that I feel that, that you know, pay-per-view uh, tickets should be $100, but... If we're going to pay $100 for a, a pay-per-view fight, Triple G uh, Canelo is worth it compared to McGregor Mayweather in terms of the fight. Um, I understand that, that you know, the uh, uh, the circus, um, the, uh, uh, you know, curiosity factor of the Mayweather-McGregor uh, fight is selling but for the quality of the matchup for boxing, Triple G Canelo is is uh, gotta be worth it. What's your thoughts? Oh, come on, that's that that's the fight I want to see. I don't care about this McGregor uh, 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 Mayweather fight, but I mean I care about it because you know we'll see what happens there. But it has no real merit in my mind compared to the. Um, the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. That's the fight I want to see. That's the fight we all want to see. The boxing fan, the purist, uh, I think that fight is going to be mega, and I'd spend $100 easy for that fight. Yeah, you know, um, they should, uh, I would think. They, I, would. I think they, they're going to anticipate a large audience because that's why they could spread it, spread it out as being less expensive than what they're anticipating, that the shorter or smaller audience would bring in. Well, I mean, I they're they're at that T-Mobile, I think, so that's going to be a pretty big live audience. Plus, all those casinos, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you know, just people in Vegas should should do well. I, I don't know. I think I think Triple G Canelo is going to do really good with numbers. What do you think? I think it's going to do great with numbers. I really do. I really do. I I've been talking about that fight, and uh, people are all excited about the the ones that I'm talking to. They're all excited about that fight. They ask me every day, "Who do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think?" And um, you know, as well as they do ask me a little bit about the uh, the Mayweather fight, but uh, the Triple G is the fight that's really a, a, the real fight. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's featuring, and, and and I know you know this week we're talking mostly 
um, about uh, mostly about uh, uh, Danny. Uh, I'm sorry, Mikey Garcia against Mikey. Adrian Broner. Um, but uh, but and that's a great fight. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's, it's a great matchup and everything else. Um, but uh, but the next uh, uh, big big fight that uh, you know that's huge. Uh, Triple G Canelo. I I, I know the uh, McGregor Mayweather fight will be before it, but Triple G Canelo is is uh, along the lines of of Anthony Joshua Klitschko. I mean, it's the significance behind a fight. It's a fight the fans want. I think it's going to do well in numbers. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a tremendous fight, and I think the numbers are going to be there to prove it. It's what the fans want to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is true. This is what the this is what the fans want to see. Um, this is what the fans want to see. I, I tell you another thing: the fans want to see is the uh, World Boxing Super Series, and uh, yes, they announced they, um, they announced another location and date. Um, and, and the way they're doing this is these. Uh, um, you know, quarterfinals, which is the first one. Um, they are, you know, taking each one and rightfully so making it a main event and having it at a different location. So they're actually really spreading this out. Well, um, the next one, which is going to feature uh, uh, WBC uh, World uh, Cruiserweight Champion Marius Bridas, who's undefeated at 22 and 0 with 18 knockouts, taking on former. Heavyweight uh, contender and uh, big-time uh, super uh, amateur uh, who's dropped weight. He's now fighting at a cruiserweight, Mike Perez. And I love this matchup. I can't wait to see Mike Perez. It seems like he's finally gotten the discipline uh, issues behind him. At least this is what appears. we got to wait until he gets on the scale. But uh, it's going to take place September 30th at the Riga Arena in Lativa. So uh, uh, we will uh, see what happens uh uh, with that one so they're really spreading that all over and uh, also the WBA uh, has ordered uh, uh, negotiations to begin with uh, their lightweight champion Jorge Linares and Luke Campbell uh, both uh, teams were notified by the WBA uh, that uh, starting July 21st they have 30 days to reach an agreement to hold the fight otherwise uh, they will uh, uh, go to purse bid so we got to couple of decent I, I kind of like that fight I, I still think that the uh the sanctioning body sal hinder uh a lot of big fights because uh you know they force a, a fighter to fight this guy in order to keep his belt when everybody wants to fight him uh, when everybody else wants to see him fight the other guy but this particular fight isn't bad luke campbell has earned a shot and jorge linares uh, he's been down and, and and back, and you know he's he's a worthy champion. So I, I like this matchup, and I certainly like the WBSS. Uh, what's your thoughts on both? Yeah, I think uh, you hit it on the head. You know, we 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 prefer to see some type of fights other than what we are given by the sanctioning bodies. But no, this seems to be a significant fight, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a very good fight. Yeah, um, which one? Both or both? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> both, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. No, they, they, oh, they, gosh, they yes. both, they both will be. But they uh, both have a good, good, uh, good merit to them, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them. Yeah. Well, you know, this weekend uh, there's uh, several uh, decent fights on, and uh, we were talking about the Mikey Garcia Adrian Broner fight, and obviously, uh, as the I'm looking forward to that fight. Yeah, as the uh, week goes on, and we're gonna have Dax Khan coming on here in a, about uh, ten minutes or so. Uh, but the other fight that I mentioned on that card um is uh 
is the heavyweight fight between uh, uh, Jarrell Miller and Gerald Washington. Um, pretty even fight based on statistics. Uh, Gerald Washington is ranked at number 23 by the computer, and Jarrell Miller is ranked at number 28. And the age, um, although it's... Uh, uh, it's a difference because it's uh, six six years. Gerald Washington is thirty five years old, and uh, Jarrell Miller is twenty nine. Here's the biggest difference: Jarrell Miller is uh, uh, six foot four, and his last fight against Fred Cassie, which was uh, August of last year, he weighed two hundred and ninety six and a half pounds. Sal, uh, wow. a donut away from three hundred. And, uh, you know, you go back to when he fought Donovan Dennis, uh, which was maybe the biggest name on his resume so far. And Donovan Dennis was uh, a guy that uh, uh, was involved with the Boxino tournament. Um, he weighed 274 so and a quarter. So, he, he you know, he gained 20 pounds in uh, a couple of months. That was January 22nd when he fought Donovan Dennis. And then in August, he weighed uh, 296. He's six foot four. Now, Gerald Washington, his last fight was February of this year and uh, suffered a uh, knockout loss at the hands of Deontay Wilder. He weighed 239, and you could argue that he was in uh, really good shape because the fight prior to that uh, in June, uh, July of the same year, 2016, he weighed 243 against Ray Austin. So and he also had a draw against Amir Mansoor, and he had a unanimous decision win over Eddie Chambers. To me, it seems that uh, Gerald Washington has a more uh, complete uh, resume, and Jarrell Miller was the guy that was crying, saying that he could beat all the heavyweights, and and really, you know, uh, Donovan Dennis, uh, you know, um, really his best opponent, I, I think, uh, on his resume, with the exception of Fred Cassie, who. Uh, is just a tough guy, and he and he stopped both of those guys. What's your thoughts on the size difference? You know, that's normally I don't pay too much attention and think it has too much merit. But when you're talking about a potential, potential sixty pound difference, that's a lot of that's a lot of weight to get past. That's a lot and, of uh, cheeseburgers. <laughs> that's a lot of burgers. I mean, sixty pounds, Bill. I mean, it's uh, that's that's you know. <sighs> If if uh, if if a scenario like that should ha uh, always be present, and the smaller guy is faster, quicker, in and out kind of thing, there, then it's going to be to his advantage. But you know, it's hard to get away from sixty pounds of thumping pressure and uh, and everything else. So it's it's uh, that's a lot. Of, that's a big difference. A big difference. How many pizzas? How many pizzas is that? Well, let's see. We got about if you got this, that, two pounds. Three. I'd say that's at least uh, thirty-five pizzas right there, right there. <laughs> well, one of them, one of them has to stay away from Sal's, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, hey Sal, guess who our uh, blast from the past is this Wednesday? Um, Jack Dempsey. <laughs> no, no, uh, but close. Uh, Gene Fulmer. Gene Fulmer. That is close. Yeah, Gene Gene Fulmer, um, Gene is uh, uh, you know you and I did a uh, I shouldn't even let this cat out of the bag, but we might as well. well we out. did uh, uh, not one but two uh, boxing revisiteds with Gene Fulmer, and he's our blast from the past this week. We got uh, uh, several of them in the queue. If you're looking to get uh, 
a blast from the past done on a fighter. Just uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com, and we will uh, get you on the list. I know we got uh, a couple others. Uh, a Battel is on the list, and, and this is in no particular order. And uh, Fritzy Zivic, uh, they're all they're coming up next. Programming, and, and Gene Fulmer was quite the fighter, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he was unbelievable. Tough guy, tough guy, tough as nails, and that's that's how they built them back then. You know, they just uh, it was the mindset, it was the it was the training, it was everything else. These guys, uh, they they fought for a living. I mean, well, they fought it was a trade. Bo- boxing was a trade. You it know, was a trade. They mastered is, their trade, their craft. This is what they took home to their families. This was the, you know, this was the whole thing. This was what they were chose to do. This is my craft. This is my trade. I'm gonna learn it inside and out and do the best I can because I know the better I do, the more money I'm gonna get and bring home to my family. Well, this is what we were talking about on on uh, last week. I think it was Friday, but uh, you know the difference with today, and and we were talking. Uh, you know, I. Uh, try to communicate as much as I can uh, both in our chat room and, and on Facebook Live. But And by the way, if you're watching on Facebook Live, all you're seeing is a cheesy camera of me. Uh, if you want the full video version, go watch it on our uh, website or our YouTube channel. But, you know, that's the problem with the sport today, Sal. You know, we got guys that are involved in the sport making sport-based decisions that don't know the sport. And, uh, you know, I just wish that fighters would stay in it after their careers are over. You know, uh, uh, there's nothing better. Now, now I, sh- but I was about to say there's nothing better than a former fighter being a trainer, but that's not entirely true. Some fighters aren't good trainers because they don't have the ability to teach, but there's a lot of um, good fighters that would make good fa- uh, trainers. The thing is they got to try it, right? I mean, uh, you know, some might realize that they're not, but they got to at least try it, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Bill, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I think I'd be a dynamite trainer. I think I could fire somebody up and teach them and show them all the things that I would love to do. But, you know, like I said, unless what, what are they going to do? Give, uh, am I going to uh, go right to a contender, a champion, or, or start out with a four rounder? And, and I got to make a living. I got I got a lot of bills to pay, and it's hard for me to do that. But that's what we're talking about. Even the old days with the Gene Fulmers and all those guys, they stayed in the game of boxing. And they were there because they uh, they loved the sport, and they were they were craftsmen, tradesmen of, of the game of boxing. So they duplicated a lot of what they they uh, they learned in their career to pass it on to the other uh, fighters coming up, and that's the difference of today. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, to answer your question, yeah, if you're a trainer and you decide to be a trainer. And you you know you start off with a kid that you that that raw piece of clay that you're gonna mold into a champion, uh, and you're making uh, five hundred six hundred bucks. Uh, the kid is making five or six hundred bucks for four round fights, and you know you're getting fifty bucks uh, for training them for six weeks for the fight. Um, yeah, you you're gonna be uh, not living too well. But if you had ten of those guys, and they were all. Uh, uh, you know, fighting and you were staggering their fights so that they're fighting once, you know, once a week and you got a, a fight every week, you could see where the living part can be had. But the truth of the matter is, is just like as the fighter themselves, you're not going to be making big money until you get uh, a shot at a title or, or the bigger paydays. And you need to pay your dues in order to make those shots. This is why... True. 
so many uh, promoters and managers protect their fighters. You know, the, the, the part that you, you just mentioned about the money is why they're afraid to put their fighters in tough because as they invest money in these guys, they're afraid that they're going to lose and then their shot at, at making real money uh, just goes up in smoke. And that's the problem, that fear of losing a payday, whereas the emphasis years ago, it certainly was on a payday. They fought more often, so they were making money more often, but their goal was to be the best. So they weren't necessarily running from challenges or, or tough, tough fights. Um, it's just today, because they don't fight as often, it's hard. So it's a double-edged sword, you know? I mean, uh, you know, do you protect your guy? If, if all of a sudden you're in a management-slash-trainer position and you got a fight of your training, uh, do you want to put him in? Do you want to see how good he is? I mean, it's a catch-22. Oh, yeah, it is, it is. And, uh, you know, there was a trainer I, I, I really don't mention too much that I worked with for a long time, and and uh, there's no reason why I don't mention him to him because he was in the, the my corner, and he prepared me for many fights, and he was a great, great trainer. And and his name was Johnny Torres, a former fighter himself. I think he fought Emil Griffith and a couple of other guys. This guy was a great trainer. He trained myself. He trained uh, Diego Rosario, who uh, I came up in the amateur with Diego Rosario. I think he won the Golden Gloves, too, same year I did. And Diego Rosario was a tough cookie, good boxer. Uh, I think he fought at bantamweight or featherweight. And Diego Rosario actually uh, had a nice upset win, I think, on ESPN one time. He fought a fighter by the name of Sam David. And, uh, you know, poor Johnny Torres, he was always with these fighters, these prospects coming up. And, you know, one day, uh, you know, in between uh, uh, stagnant fights of, of, of uh, management issues for me and everything else, I think he got a contract to go to Texas to train a whole uh, uh, stable full of fighters. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a tough tough way to make a living, and you know he's got his family to support and uh, kids to to feed and things like that. So, you know, it's hard to keep the great trainers in the game of boxing unless there's a pathway uh, and a road to success with riding on the true prospects and champions. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you John Torres was a good talent, a great trainer, great you, trainer. I loved him. You can't, you can't just like in anything. You can't all of a sudden be at the top right out of the gate. So if you're if no. you're if you're a trainer and you're starting out um you're going to have to get a pool of fighters and train, you know? I mean uh today it's uh, it's a lot different cuz there's so many less gyms. You know, the the pool of fighters, we talked about the numbers last week and the differences with how many I mean, you know, just off the top of my head there were more fights in one year in the mid 40s in one state than all of the states combined in 2016 by a long slide, long shot, uh, landslide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I <laughs> well, mean, uh, you know, I, so the pool of fighters is smaller, Sal. Well, and the gyms too, man. I'll tell you what. We would always seek out. We would have our home gym where we'd like to train. And if I was training in New York for a fight, I was always training either with Don Turner uh, over in the 42nd Street Times Square gym, Jimmy Glenn's gym over above the old tuxedo shop on 7th Avenue and 42nd Street. Or I was training in Gleason's gym on 30th Street and 8th Avenue around from the Blarney Stone. So those are my two gyms that I loved. 
and uh, but I was training in Jersey, and we we got sparring in Jersey, and I was training with Johnny Torres, so we'd go all over. You had gyms in Patterson, you had gyms in West Patterson, you had gyms in uh, uh, Orange, West Orange, you had gyms in Newark, Jersey City, Bufano's, which is an old legendary gym that uh, uh, Buddy McGirt and some big fighters came out of, and, and uh, surely, uh, uh, you know, you had plentiful of gyms and sparring available. And these gyms were, 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 were homes for us. You know, we knew it. We knew the guys in the gyms. And it was great. It was like a second home. really was. You don't have that today. No. Do you, no, do no. You? No, do they you? don't. Well, they, they, you know, they were all worried about the gym fees. but uh, <laughs> Well, gym fees, you know, I, hey. Hold it that. is what it is. You look at, you look at what that, when you go to a club and, and, and spend uh, each month in a club or so to, to get in shape with uh, with their, uh, do they still use Nautilus equipment? That's less times than one of those. Gyms, I don't know. Go, know. go pick up. A, <laughs> it's a I'm sure you. Money. I'm sure you have a magazine about it uh, over in the parlor. So uh, so check that out. Listen, hold hold, hold that oh, thought. God. We're gonna take a short break, and uh, when we come back, uh, Dax Khan is gonna join us. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you can be with us. And uh, don't forget, we are uh, simulcasting up on Facebook Live. But for all of our viewers on Facebook, uh, just remember that this is uh, the worst quality camera we have. And uh, if you want to see the uh, version that goes up to the TV networks, uh, we have the, uh, uh, that same uh, uh, feed is up on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Talking T-A-L-K-I-N, boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G. Or you could just uh, watch that feed up on our front page of BillyCBoxing.com. Hey, listen, we uh, started the show today. Our topic, uh, as we get ready for a big fight scheduled for this weekend between uh, Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia, uh, two very talented fighters, my, my question was, does Adrian Broner have to win uh, in order to continue what he feels uh, is his road to superstardom. I mean, if you ask Adrian Broner, he, he'll probably tell you he's already a superstar. Uh, but uh, in my opinion, because of his ups and downs, he needs to uh, at least look very good, even if he should lose a close fight, uh, in order to uh, continue that, that, that long-term goal of his. Uh, but I also feel that a loss, a devastating loss, a knockout loss at the hands of Mikey Garcia – uh, could very much uh, derail uh, his uh, uh, his quest at becoming a superstar in the sport of boxing. Joining me right now, Ensal, to uh, give us uh, his opinion is uh, Dax Khan. What do you think, Dax? Uh, is he against the the wall or what? Yes, absolutely, he is. I, b- I believe so. He's. Uh, I mean, even if he performs uh, well. I think that that's better than if he gets knocked out. He has, you know, 
Adrian Broner is at a point in his career now. He he can't just perform well. He has to perform sensationally, and a loss is really going to take Adrian Broner out of the whole loop. I, I you know what the thing about Mikey Garcia? Hey, what are they fighting at junior welterweight? I was, uh, or are they fighting at welterweight? No, they're they're fighting at junior welterweight, and the uh, it's going to be for the WBC Diamond title. See, what a lot of people don't understand and they don't realize, and there's been a lot of discussion among people who've been debating this. Well, Adrian Broner has this experience fighting at welterweight and at a larger weight. You know, physically, they're the same size other than that one-inch uh, reach advantage for Adrian Broner. But see, Mikey Garcia's return has been planned for him to move up to 140 pounds. That's why, you know, he came in at 135 pounds. He had those two fights, and they were bringing, you know, they were bringing him up there. It's not as though Mikey Garcia hasn't fought at, 100, at uh, junior welterweight before. And Adrian Broner, you know, his moving down and his up and his down, you know, that that's going to affect him sincerely. And, you know, his last fight uh, against Adrian Granados was at welterweight. So, you know, more or less, in my opinion, this is an audition for Mikey Garcia to stay at welterweight. And I think we're going to see uh, Terrence Crawford moving up to, uh, to stay at junior welterweight rather than see Terrence Crawford moving up to welterweight after this fight. Now, uh, uh, the belt, Mikey Garcia has a lightweight belt. Did he already give that up? Yeah, uh, in um, yeah, in his last fight, I believe Mikey Garcia fought as a um, or was his uh, last fight for that title? Yeah, it was for it was for Dijon Zaklesian's WBC World Lightweight Title. He won that belt, and then technically, and that was this year. Right, and right, right. I don't know yeah, if he gave he it up. I don't know Rojas, if he gave it up he, he yet. He was a junior welterweight. Yeah, but that was Rojas. That was the fight before. But what I'm saying is, he and you were mad that he got the shot at the title. You came on, and, and as a matter of fact, uh, my, um, uh, Adrian Broner had beaten Ashley Theofane uh, for the uh, junior welterweight title back in 2016. And then when he fought Granados, that was a split decision. I... I I don't know if he had already lost the, the, the junior he, welterweight, so it's a little confusing. Adrian Broner lost that title on the scales. Adrian Broner's That's lost right. a lot of titles on the scales. That's the third title Adrian Broner lost on the scales in his career. Right, and that brings me to this, uh, Sal. You know, the discipline part. We all know that Mikey Garcia is a disciplined fighter. He's disciplined in and out of the ring. You know, we've said earlier in the show he's a blue-collar type uh, fighter. He, he's very serious in the ring. You're not going to see any BS from him, no shenanigans. He, he lets his uh, uh, boxing skill do the talking in the ring. Do you think that Adrian Broner's lack of discipline, which he's displayed many, many times, is he beyond it? Or is this going to be a haunting thing for him? Because this fight, he's got to show discipline uh, right off the bat, and like Dax just suggested, right off the bat, he's got to show it when he gets on the scales. You know, if he doesn't make the weight at 140, that's going to be an issue. What's your thoughts? I, I think that's going to be a big issue, and it's going to tell uh, the boxing community where his head is at as far as his being serious to pursue the career of boxing on a level that he thinks he deserves to be on. And, you know, hey, guess what? These aren't amateurs. These are professionals. And they're supposed to adhere to the contract uh, laws. And they're supposed to do what's expected of them. And, you know, if they can't rise to the occasion and, and do and discipline themselves and train and come into the ring ready to go, then, you know, again, it's, 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 it's being showing contempt for the sport of boxing. And uh, that's what we don't need. 
And uh, so hopefully he realizes the significant value of his opportunity he has to fight, to face, and to defeat Mikey Garcia. But you have a young buck in Mikey Garcia who uh, hasn't tasted defeat yet. And I think it's going to be a good contest. And if Adrian Broner comes in here to ready, fight, to win, and everything else, it's going to be a great fight. And uh, I, I was earlier alluding to what Dax was saying. This is a great opportunity for Adrian Broner. If he thinks he's such a superstar, he's got to beat Mikey Garcia. A setback uh, from a loss, I'm not saying he won't get another title shot, but he, that superstar status is probably not going to be where he's going to be looked at. No, that's my whole point uh, with today's show. I, I really think that he's got to perform well. Even if he loses, a, a good performance will keep him in the mix, but a bad performance like his last outing is going to drop him. Hey, Dax, how do you think first uh, Adrian Broner can beat Mikey Garcia? I, I mean, if you're uh, Adrian Broner, what's your game plan? Because he's in the past going from you know junior lightweight up uh, he has shown us different glimpses of, of what he can do. And I, I'm still one that believes he's a talented fighter. Uh, but at times, we see different versions of him. When he was young and in a lightweight division, I thought he was at his best. He, would, uh, he was elusive, uh, but he was able to also stand in a pocket. And, and he wasn't afraid to exchange. And he had great hand speed and, and pop. He seems uh, to be a little more conservative with his punch output these days, and that could be uh, because of the, the weight issue and the lack of discipline. What do you see him uh, needing to do in order to come out with a W? Well, first of all, if you go back to early in Adrian Broner's career when he had fought Daniel Ponce de Leon, you know, we always hear about this thing in boxing. Uh, it's become almost a saying called the blueprint. Daniel Ponce de Leon put a blueprint out there on how to fight Adrian Broner, and that's to pressure him. Adrian Broner has never dealt well with pressure fighters. He has to set his own pace. I understand what you're saying in the center of the ring. He seemed kind of elusive, but when he fought Paulie Malinagi at 147 pounds, despite that not being his natural weight class, Paulie Malinagi, a very light hitter, and not at the best point in time in his career, was able to touch Adrian Broner quite a bit in the center of the ring. Now, when Adrian Broner tries to fight off the ropes, we've seen nothing but disaster for him, especially at those higher weights. Um, like for example, when he fought Marcos Maidana, the fight right after he beat Paulie Malinagi, you know, that turned out to be more of a man versus a boy bout, where Adrian Broner was just beat up. Same thing with Sean Porter. Sean Porter, he took a lot of punishment in that fight. If either one of those guys were accurate, like uh, Mikey Garcia was, uh, Adrian Broner would not have lasted the distance despite his, you know, his solid chin. Mikey Garcia, on the other hand, he can push him back to the ropes, and Mikey Garcia can also box in the ring, and he moves around more. Adrian Broner has to have a certain pace, and he has to set that tone. Anytime Adrian Broner hasn't set the pace in a fight, Adrian Broner has looked horrible. Even in his last fight against, you know, a guy that was considered a journeyman in Adrian Granados. Adrian Broner wasn't able to set that tone, and Broner looked horrible. I'm a big fan of Good Mikey point. Garcia, and, uh, you know, uh, he never ceases to amaze me. How does Mikey Garcia have to beat uh, Adrian Broner? 
Well, Mikey Garcia just has to be Mikey Garcia. Mikey yeah. Garcia cannot allow Adrian Broner to set the pace, and he can't show Adrian Broner respect. See, the difference with these two guys here, even though Adrian Broner has a two-year age advantage, and he's been in four different weight classes, Mikey Garcia is younger in ring years. He's a fresher fighter. Mikey Garcia, the only time he's ever had any sort of problem inside the ring and a fight he was dominating, and that was against Orlando Salido. He had knocked Salido down, I believe, three times until that nose, uh, till that broken nose stopped the fight and he won a technical decision. Adrian Broner, when he starts being pushed back, he stays going back and he really doesn't have that pop and he hasn't shown to have that pop at the elite level to sit there and push guys back. You know, uh, Paulie Malinagi, again, he's a very good fighter, but Paulie Malinagi is a guy who uses a lot of jabs and he uses a lot of speed. Mikey Garcia has both speed and he has power. So I, he, actually, I believe he's faster than Adrian Broner and he can overwhelm Adrian Broner, just like a Sean Porter did, and on the inside against the ropes, he can bully Adrian Broner, just like a Marcos Maidana did, and he's never going to let Adrian Broner use that shoulder roll. And, you know, the corners as well, that's another uh, problem, is the corners. Adrian Broner, we've seen in the past, his corners, they panic. Mikey Garcia has one of the best guys in the sport working his corner, and they're not going to panic. It's going to be Adrian Broner having to keep his corner calm, much like he did in the Maidana fight, while Mikey Garcia's corner, and then he point in time they uh you know something should come up they're just going to re-strategize so that's a lot of pressure on adrian broner you know uh sal dax just good points. Uh, took, good points. Uh, dax just took the the question right out of my mouth about the corners and i feel the same way as he does um you know mikey garcia's corner is solid with, with his brother in in the corner and these guys are are blue collar guys in the corner too you never see them uh, lose their heads or anything else it's and just like Dax said, you know, when we saw the, in the Madonna Madonna fight with uh, uh, with um, Adrian Broner, he had to be the guy who calmed everybody down because they're so used to being yes men. Uh, and I haven't seen any changes in that corner. It was similar to Andre Berto's corner for the longest time. I mean, all he had was yes men, uh, not giving him any instruction. At least uh, Mikey Garcia is going to get you know, real instruction in, in between rounds. How much of a, uh, uh advantage do you feel that uh, Mikey Garcia has over Adrian Broner when it comes to, uh, you know, in between rounds and changing uh, a strategy if they need to on the fly? I think it's going to be night and day difference. You know, don't let it be disguised. Every fighter has to have confidence in his corner. But if his corner cannot deliver what they can see and what they can do you know your big concern is hey can you patch me up if i get a cut am i gonna uh, you know can i go back out there and fight can you see the opportunities i'm missing or what i need to do to to if, I, if i'm getting tagged with something you know so you gotta have uh you gotta have people that are focusing and able to relate that to you in between that one minute round i think mikey garcia has got the better corner i think mikey garcia is in more uh on the same level of his corner and, uh, you know, we, we, we can depend on that to be a true fact. I mean, I, I, I like everything about Mikey Garcia. I like his corner. I like uh, him as a fighter. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, I think he's going to get past this Adrian Broner. Hey, Dax, uh, we may or may not be able to get you on uh, this week. It's a short week. So let me ask you this before I move on to something else. Adrian Broner against Mikey Garcia, what's your official prediction of the fight? My official prediction in this fight is going to be Mikey Garcia by knockout. You know, the key here is definitely, you know, 
If you were ever going to use an example in this era on how to move a fighter along properly, Mikey Garcia is the guy. You mentioned earlier in the show about me being unhappy on the fact that Mikey Garcia had that long layoff. He comes back, he has one win, and then he gets a title shot. Yes, you know what? I just don't believe that was fair to the other fighters who've been putting in that time. You know, whether or not it was Mikey Garcia or anybody else, it's just not fair. But, you know, Mikey Garcia... The fact that, you know, this is a guy that he could have had a world title shot in his 15th or 16th fight, but they brought him along properly, and they put him against a wide variety of opponents. Adrian Broner was moved along so fast, and they took advantage of his natural uh, talent. You know, more or less, you know, they wanted to cash out on Adrian Broner before he hit that plateau. And when Mikey Garcia started having those promotional problems, he stepped away from the sport. He took time off. He didn't let his mind become uh, bothered. He didn't uh, let his body become taxed, and he didn't stress himself out like we see with a lot of fighters and you know what the fact that Mikey Garcia decided to return to the sport shows that Mikey Garcia is still hungry. Adrian Broner, on the other hand, he still hasn't found his place in the sport. He's going from uh, welterweight, he's going to, uh, to junior welterweight, then he's fighting a fight at welterweight, you know, and he's looking for this past glory. We see him out there on social media doing these foolish things. He has legal problems. All that plays inside. And Adrian Broner's weight problems started back in 2010. And when you have problems for seven years, making weight, missing weight, and jumping around the divisions, that means you're taxing your body a lot. Ricky Hatton is an example of that, where you blow up in between fights. Adrian Broner has been rumored to blow up to 190 pounds. So, you know, you literally have a fresh fighter who's hungry against, you know, a guy who's looking to reclaim his former glory. So all the mental pressure's on Adrian Broner. And Mikey Garcia, all he has to do is go out there and do his job. Unfortunately, you know, for Adrian Broner, I think this is going to be more or less his swan song. He has to win this fight, and he can't even just look good. He has to win this fight, and he has to look spectacular because even if he looks good and loses this fight, what's going to happen is that stigma is going to be on him that, you know what, you just fought a guy who for the first time came up to um, – uh, junior welterweight and you're a guy who was in that welterweight division fighting you know some of the very best there and you weren't able to succeed so everything's on Adrian Broner and Adrian Broner had shown to melt down in the past Mikey Garcia never has so my opinion my, that's all going to work in Mikey Garcia's favor along with the other things that I stated and he's going to knock Adrian Broner out somewhere around the eighth to ninth round in my opinion you know um, just for me to make a comment I, Mikey Garcia is a fighter that, you know, when I've looked at him and, and analyzed him and, and his relationship with his family, his brother specifically, he almost seems like a guy that, you know, uh, was kind of coaxed into being a boxer. You know, I mean, he doesn't seem the he does it and he does it well. And, and, and uh, you know, he's he's technically sound. I, I think if you if you look in the book of, of you know, uh, how to be a technically sound boxer, I mean, Mikey Garcia's picture is going to be there, you know, and, and uh, links to his videos and all that stuff. But, you know, the, the love of the sport doesn't seem to be there. It, what, however, whatever the case is, doesn't matter. It, it's working for Mikey Garcia, and I agree that Mikey Garcia is the guy. The only thing I disagree with you on is I do think that if Adrian Broner performs well, that he will continue his career on a positive note. And the reason is because all of the things that you mentioned, like all the negatives, the discipline, uh, the, the trouble he, he's having outside the ring, etc., could all be uh, fixed. It could be something that he could say, hey, this fight was a wake-up call, you know, uh, the last fight was a wake-up call, whatever, and he could fix it as long as his performance is there. If it's a stink fest, 
and this guy is just outclassed and, and gets knocked out uh, by Mikey Garcia, it's going to be hard for him to uh, recover. That That's my thought. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, it's just what I think from that. And, and I know, Sal, you, you're a big stickler on discipline, and that plays a big part of this whole picture, doesn't it? It does. It plays a big part. And, you know, Dax outlined it perfectly is why I am choosing Mikey Garcia because, you know, I don't know if, if uh, Adrian Broner can really separate and get away from all that drama and all that stuff and chaos in his life. I really don't think he can. And that's what a fighter has to do. He's got to put the blinders on. He's got to put that away. But I think that's it shows that that might be part of his makeup. And, you know, whether it's fuel for his fire or it's a deterrent. It hasn't shown to be the fuel for a fighter. It hasn't shown to be the fuel for his fire in the past. So that's why I'm I'm saying that. You know, I think I think this is a very important fight. And you know, if if uh, Adrian Broner thinks he's a superstar, he's got to win, and he's got to win big, and he's got to take that win and make it propel him to, into that that real upper echelon superstardom. But if, if he if he's going to lose, which I think he will. Uh, I think Mikey Garcia is going to be in a great position after this fight. Hey, and I think Adrian Broner is going to be, uh, you know, grabbing at the rungs of the ladder. And he's going to have to climb. And it's going to be a hard climb for him. In other hey, words, I think maybe his best days are behind him. Hey, Dax, the the fight that I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to because, obviously, it's the glory division and everything else is the uh, Jarrell Miller and Gerald Washington fight. I had noticed in the chat room there was some comments saying that Gerald Washington is is basically an opponent and stuff like that. I, I'm not so sure. I think that his resume is much more solid than uh, Jarrell Miller. I'm not sold on Jarrell Miller. He hasn't fought anybody yet. Uh, I don't like the, uh, the, the, the weight. Um, this is a guy that may be successful uh, up to this point, you know, being physically bigger in terms of girth than his opponents. But as he moves up into this next level of heavyweights, it may hurt him, the inability to move and stuff. Um, you know, with that said, he is younger. How do you see this fight? I mean, what's how do you how are you breaking down this one? I see it pretty much like most of Jarrell Miller's fights, where um, he's easy to get, um, he's easily hittable, and Gerald Washington's going to do that, and he's going to, you know, box. He's, you know, Gerald Washington's a better than average boxer, but he's also 35, and he's not a big puncher. And uh, my, uh, you know, he's always been that guy who's just one rung below, and you know, PBC is. You know, they use him more or less, you know, to fill up space. And as an opponent, you know, that was my comment based on the Deontay Wilder fight where, you know, he was just a guy. We have nobody to fight. You know what? Let's just throw Gerald Washington in there. He looks good on paper. And, you know, with, um, with Jerome Miller, I think that's going to happen here. I did see some pictures of Jerome Miller, and he did looks like he slimmed down a little bit. So, you know, whether or not, you know, that can also affect whether or not he can take a punch. So, Jarrell Miller, I haven't really been impressed with him. He, what pretty much all he's just shown me in his career is that he can take a punch and walk a guy down at a, um, a C level. He hasn't done anything above the B level so far. You know, so the book is still out on him, but he's getting older and he's going to have to make some noise soon because, you know, the heavyweight division, like we spoke about last week, you know, is, is going through a lot of changes and most of the changes are overseas. So, if you want to, uh, you know, become marketable, now's the time to do it. Uh, the other fight on there I think is really exciting is going to be the Rashi Warren against the uh, McJoe Royal fight. Other than the main event, I think that's going to be an all-action fight. And if you blink, you know, you're going to miss five or ten punches. 
in the in the heavyweight fight, I mean, Gerald Washington, um, you know, at one point he was a guy that they were grooming, maybe not to replace Deontay Wilder, but maybe be a co-title holder eventually with a, uh, you know, a a meeting between the two. And like you mentioned, unfortunately for Washington, he, he was thrown in with Deontay Wilder. Uh, a little too soon and not that I think Deontay Wilder is so great but you know big height advantage and size advantage but on his way up Gerald Washington did have some 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 significant wins he had a win over Sherman uh, Tank Williams uh, Travis Walker who wasn't the same Skip Scott who's a tough fighter uh, Nagy Aguilera who's a tough fighter uh, Eddie Chambers who at least can box Amir Mansour uh, he got a gift with a draw you know, so he has fought some tougher opposition than Jarrell Miller. And unless Jarrell Miller uh, is back down to uh, 265 pounds, I think that the, uh, you know, if, if Washington can get Miller into the later rounds, that he stands uh, a chance. I mean, he is a bigger guy, uh, two-inch height advantage. And, uh, you know, my question would be, can Miller go, uh, you know, uh, into a long fight? I mean, most of his fights end pretty quickly. Uh, can he be effective, you know, after the eighth round? If he can keep it at a decent pace, you know, that's comfortable for him. Absolutely, I believe he can. I don't believe that um, Gerald Washington is going to engage. So, you know, he's, he's, he's going to try and outbox uh, Miller, which isn't really, you know, so far to me, hasn't appeared to be that hard to do. So, you know, it's going to be a slow-paced fight, and then when it gets later on, I think the power is going to carry because of the fact that it's going to be, you know, Jarrell Miller's uh, pace of a fight, and then once Washington does open up, Miller's going to get the knockout. And that that's just my opinion. It could turn out the other way, who knows, but, you know, right now, that you know, that's what I see. And, you know, um, Joe Washington's 35 years old, so... You, what are you going to do at 35? You're not going to get much better. This is pretty much, you know, the plateau of your career. Plus, he's coming off uh, a knockout loss. So, uh, anyway. It's hey, uh, Dax, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward to Next week is going to be kind of a, a weird week for us, but, uh, of course, I'll be in touch with you and get you on uh, ASAP. Right. And uh, one thing, you know, before we go on a solemn note, you know, our condolences to Thomas Williams Jr., uh, the former light heavyweight uh, title contender, his father, former heavyweight fighter, uh, Thomas Top Dog Williams Sr. A lot of people know him for his fights with John Ruiz, uh, Darnell Nicholson, and uh, Iran Barkley, tail end of his career. Uh, he passed away Friday in an automobile accident. Oh, a car was coming uh, in the wrong direction on the road, came right up, and he died instantly on impact. So our condolences to, you know, to the entire Williams family in this situation. Sad wow. news, but uh, thanks for bringing yeah. that to our attention, Dax. All right, everybody, and uh, enjoy your day. All right, Take my care, man. Dax That's uh, Dax Khan uh, giving us his uh, thoughts and uh, sad stuff uh, with the with the yeah. Top Dogs Pops. But uh, uh, for all the affiliates out there, we will not be taking uh, a break here. Actually, we do. We do have to. I got in trouble for that. Sal, <laughs> hold that thought. Uh, we are going to take a short break, and uh, we will be back uh, in uh, – I don't know. I'm going to take a, a wild stab at it. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to 
And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, I'm here with uh, my man, uh, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, I wanted to ask you something. You know, with yes. the uh, Gerald Washington, his last fight coming off a TKO stoppage at the hands of Deontay Wilder, um, how much does that come into play? Uh, I think that comes into play. Well, I mean, how much do you think that, and the time will tell, but some fighters can uh, come back from a knockout loss and others are affected by it forever. Like uh, maybe they can't handle the shots as much. And I'm not the one thing that Deontay does have, have is a lot of punching power. Um, you know, how does, uh, how does uh, Washington go into this fight? Does he fight cautious? I mean, what do you think? I think he's going to fight his fight, but I'll tell you what. He's going to have a little room of doubt the first time he gets hit with a big shot. And uh, we're going to see if he's able to absorb that shot and continue and go on or if it's going to make a difference for him. I think that's going to be a big thing. So, uh, uh, yeah, a fighter will carry that with him. It's not that he's going to automatically fold. No, he's not going to do that. But, you know, he's, he's questioning himself right now. Right now he's questioning himself a little bit. Well, you know what? I got caught. Deontay Wilder uh, hurt me, and uh, you know if I get caught again, I want to see how I'm going to feel. Will I be Will I be prepared for that? Was it a surprise? Did Deontay catch him cold? So you know, there's a lot of questions he's going to have right now, but he'll have them answered in uh, in at uh, fight time. You know, uh, but definitely that change, doubt issue is there right now. Just to change topic real quick, we were talking about our next blast from the past, which is Wednesday former world champion and boxing hall of fame gene fulmer and you know you glance at this guy's uh uh resume you know uh ralph tiger jones uh sugar ray robinson a bunch of times uh you know he also fought ralph tiger jones a bunch of times uh joe maselli a great fighter um you know spider webb carmen basilio a bunch of times um joey gardello uh florentino fernandez uh dick tiger uh, you know, uh, uh, Benny Kid Perrette, the, the fight that we did and are going to reshow. I mean, the names that this guy fought and the frequency in which he fought, you know, his, uh, he made his pro debut in uh, 1951. His last fight was 1963, you know. So you're talking a uh, 12-year career. And in that time, he, he fought 64 fights. Um, with, uh, you know, all the best of the best of that era during an era um, in which uh, many people rego- regard uh, this as one of the, the greatest middleweight uh, crops uh, of all time. You know, it's just, it's amazing. Paul Pender, another one he, he fought Jeez. and beat. Um, just, uh, it's amazing uh, to think. And, and then when you look at today's fighters, and the young fan who doesn't understand where we're coming from about guys who they fight and, you know, if they look at some of these names that I mentioned and they look at their records and they say, oh, look, he's got six losses, he's got eight losses, he can't be very good. But when you're fighting the same names that are all Hall of Famers, I mean, all, most of those names I just mentioned are Hall of Fame fighters. You're fighting Absolutely. them multiple times. Of course you're going to lose a couple of them, right? I mean, doesn't that put it really in perspective, Sal? Like, if, if, you, if, you, if you're dealing and discussing the sport with a younger fan 
and, and you whip out a, a guy like Gene Fulmer and say, look, look at the names on him. Look at the names of those names who they fought, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is why we're talking about these guys being as great as they are. I mean, it's right there for you in black and white. Well, you, you hit it on the head. And these guys, you look at that span of time that he fought and the, and the amount of fights that he had. He's ha he averaged about 10 fights a year. And uh, I'm sure there was years that he had more. I'm sure there was years he had less. But he's averaging 10 fights a year. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that, that's never going to be matched again. You're not really going to see a fighter do that anymore today. Uh, unless they're young and hungry and coming up fast, whatever. But, uh, and as you said, we uh, saw that they would fight each other multiple times. That goes back to our earlier shows when we talk about the rivalries and about things here. I mean, look at Jake LaMotta. And uh, and uh, uh, Ray Robinson, they fought about six times, and it was like, hey, I'll get you next time. I'll get you next time. You know, these guys fought with that passion, that heart. They wanted to challenge themselves and beat the best. And you know, if a fighter loses to a fight, uh, lose a fight to a fighter, he might want to avoid him for a while or get back to him. It depends. But <laughs> to face a fighter six times is like, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this once more or again. You know, so that was a golden era for boxing. And it was basically a lot of what the legends and how legends were born and the proving ground. And I'll tell you what, Bill, you look at that, it was a springboard to giving boxing a lot of the accolades and the attention of what it was all about. You know, it's a shame and that boxing has become, and, and it's not just boxing, life has become, and sports in general, but boxing's all about the money. And... You know, some of these fighters, just like a, a Gene Fulmer, which we'll be talking about on Wednesday, in the wars that he was in. Now, he lived well into his 80s. He had two brothers that fought, was successful and smart with his money after boxing, etc. But there were so many more, majority more, that weren't. And the way it was interpreted by generations after these guys um, is safety first. And that's what we have today. And what bothers me isn't, I think what bothers me the most is that the fan base accepts the safety first, we don't want to fight any tough fights attitude. And to me, how can you have a lifelong fan that knows in their heart of hearts that their fighter, the one that they like, the fighter they follow, isn't really challenging him or herself uh, with the best out there like the attitude of these fighters of yesteryear wanted to prove it so they seeked out the toughest and biggest challenges moving up weight class after weight class just to fight a guy you know and uh, nowadays people get credit for basically avoiding the tough fights and timely picking the fights when they need to when it's best for them and, you know, who's the A-side? Whose name is first? I mean, the, 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 the priorities have certainly changed in this sport, Sal. And, and I just think that the way they have changed and the nature in which the changes took place equals we're not creating lifelong fans. And that's what the sport really needs above all else. Well, you're a lifelong fan. I'm a lifelong fan. There are plenty of fans out there that are lifelong fans. But as you said, creating new lifelong fans it's hard because like like i was suggesting you know a lot of those older names and the fulmers and the marcianos the grazianos the uh the, the leonards the sugar ray robinsons i mean they these, these guys the benny leonards and everybody else these these guys they gave a platform of what made boxing great 
And these are the stories in the parlor that we used to talk about. And, you know, so, and, and fortunately, you know, it, it was a springboard. And the 60s had a good bunch of fights. And the 70s surely was a great era of fighting. And even the 80s when I fought, it was uh, uh, one of the, one of what I would say, one of the great last eras of fighting. But, you know, the whole, the whole thing now, hopefully we're having, like I said, a reboot, a resurgence, and, but creating the lifelong boxing fan is what we should look at having a goal to attain and to achieve because I, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, the youth is uh, all looking at this shock appeal, the MMA, and um, unless there there are those fighters that could attract and sell the fans on their on their marketability, uh, that's going to be it. You know, it, it's, it, it's hard to say, but you've got to have uh, fighters that also bring fans into the game. No, no doubt, and 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 excitement attracts excitement. Uh, fans. Stories, right. you know. Like I said, I still to this day I love when uh, I mentioned it was either Wide World of Sports or Sports World, or you know, uh, Wide World of Sports. You do the up close and personals. They gave you an inside glimpse of what a fighter, what a particular fighter, what his lifestyle was all about, what he was, what he came from, what was his goals, what what was his makeup. So you got a chance to identify. And like I said, a lot of people, they they become a fight fan when they see something in a fighter that they can identify or connect with and understand and empathize with. So, you know, you know we, we don't see that today. We see and we hear, of, well, who's champion? Who's this? Who's that? But to create a, a following, you know, you're either going to like a fighter for his style and his greediness and all he stands for or because you, you admire what, is, what, what he's about, his whole makeup. So... We need to see the, the up-close-and-personal some, on some of these fighters to create that lifelong fan. Well, they need to just be out there more and uh, people yeah, follow they got to promote it. They're themselves. they got to promote themselves, too. On this day, July 24th in boxing history in 1986, Toyoshi Hamada uh, knocks out uh, Rene Arredondo uh, in the first round to win the WBA junior welterweight title. It took place in Tokyo. On this day in 1968, Jose Legra knocks out Howard Winstone in the fifth round uh, to win the vacant WBC World Featherweight title. It took place in Wales. Uh, and not Jonah's Wales either. But, uh, and on this day uh, in 1988, uh, young Kang Kim uh, wins a 12-round decision over Sat Chikalada uh, to win the WBC World Flyweight title. It took place in South Korea. On this day in 1923, funny you mentioned his name. He's on my list today. Benny <laughs> Leonard wins a 15-round decision over Lou Tendler uh, to retain his world lightweight title. It took place at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. On this day in 1902, Joe Gans knocks out Rufy Turner in the 15th round to retain his world lightweight title, and that took place in Oakland, California. And finally, on this day, July 24th in 1982, Ray Boom Boom Mancini uh, knocks out Ernesto Espana in the sixth round to retain his WBA World Lightweight title, and that took place in Warren, Ohio on this day in 1982. And speaking of Warren, Ohio, I want to give a shout-out to all of our radio listeners, and I know we have an affiliate uh, in Warren, Ohio, so uh, uh, glad you guys are, are still with us for uh, this long. But uh, anyway, like I had said, uh, our schedule this week is uh, um, three days, and then uh, we're off on Thursday and Friday. And then next week, you got to play it by ear. Unfortunately, 
uh, I am uh, being called to uh, fulfill my obligations for the uh, government. Let's just leave it at that. So uh, we need to uh, leave it. Uh, Bill, I don't know if I leave it like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> but uh, you know, the bottom line is, uh, it, it, you have to tune in to see if we're doing a show next week. Unfortunately, that's the way I got to leave it. But uh, just a little programming note. But don't forget, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby. Da na 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 na